Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Lynn Charles and you're listening to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you can join us. Before we get into the word, promise can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, just welcome you to our midst. I just thank you for teaching us your word and just making words true. <laughs> and Lord, just thank you for making a path for everybody and Just making you aware you give us the Holy Spirit so that we know when we do something wrong. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our morning Bible study and our continued study in Romans. We are in chapter 2, and actually we're going to cover the, the same scriptures we did uh, the previous lesson. So, with that, can I get a volunteer to reread uh, Romans 2, verses 1 through 11, please. I will. <clears throat> All right, Kyla. Therefore, you are out with excuse, every man of you who passes judgment. For in that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. And do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment upon those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To those who by perverse perseverance, excuse me, in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to every man who does good, and the Jew first, and also the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Amen. Amen. Well, since there were things that did not get covered last time, I want to open the floor to give everyone the opportunity to share what the Holy Spirit was and is speaking to each of you and to ask any questions that you have, all right? Okay. Okay. So who'd like to begin? Mommy? Oh, well, sure. <laughs> um, before we um, pause last time, um, honey, you were talking about how and um, how he's also how he's also reaching back to uh, chapter one and you know something we've talked about kind of off um, off the recording is that this wasn't written with chapter and verse so sometimes mm -hmm. we we separate and cut things off where they're actually connected. And the chapter and verse is not wrong. It's not meant to be a distraction. It's meant to help us locate things as reference points. But sometimes we, we kind of miss a thought um, when we do that or we separate them as being separate things. 
So we had been talking about in chapter one, how they uh, refuse to retain God. And we know that God is truth. And they exchange the lie of, you know, a variety of lies for the truth of who God is. And um, their minds became tainted, but also that there is an accountability. And, you know, that's what verse one is talking about. And, um, of chapter two and that they were looking at all these things and calling a lie, the truth and the truth, a lie. So as I was reading into verse, uh, verse two of chapter two, and it says, but we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. So God doesn't look at or tell lies. He doesn't he doesn't lie. He's not deceptive. Um, I believe James references that, that there's no variation or shadow of turning in our God. So he only judges according to the truth. And so anything that poses and lifts itself up to go, no, no, the what's wrong is actually right. Or this, these abominable things, they're actually good. And we approve them. You know, it could be main mainstream culture, pop culture at the time saying that something that God has already inherently written on the inside of us that we should not do or practice such things but now turning around and going no they're right because this is what everybody's doing this is what everybody's saying and we like this um and verse verse one of chapter two is going there's accountability here because you know better you know what's right and you're purposefully turning it upside down and toppling the truth in your minds and in your hearts to go no no this lie is this lie is what we're going to believe this lie is what we choose to um propel and to um practice and god understands those things and he is not fooled into thinking that we don't know the truth when in fact we do know the truth he knows when we do um and it kind of reminded me of ahab and jezebel Ahab clearly knew what was right to do. And Jezebel knew what was right. But the Bible talks about how she stirred him up to do things that were contrary. And when you look back at the state of the the people Israel at the time, they had been swept into dramatic idol worship, um, worshiping Baal and to the point of slaughtering the prophets of God where they had to be hidden and... Um, things of that nature. And they were so wrapped up in this foul life and going, no, 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 this is right. That God sent the prophet Elijah to go, no, let's get the truth back on top. Let's get the truth back in order. And if God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, then serve him. Right. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Yes. Well, we know God is the way we know God is God. And he made that a clear and distinctive, um, a distinguishable difference between the the lie that was being carried forth, propagated in the t- in the um, the land at the time, and what he had already established as truth as truth, but they already knew that, even though they were overriding it in themselves. So, um, just because, and even down into verse three, and it says, "Do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape judgment?" So there's no amount of us if we all get together and go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Truth is a the the truth is a lie, and a lie is a truth. If everybody says it in unison and keeps stamping their feet about it, it will never overturn the truth of God's word. It will never make that, in fact, become the truth. But and still, we the people that practice that do heap judgment up to themselves because God knows he knows what we know and he knows what we don't know. Uh-huh. 
And when we don't have knowledge, like Nineveh, for example, they were practicing wicked things, but they didn't know. So what did God do for them? Sent a prophet. He sent a prophet to offer their mercy. Exactly. Exactly. He offered them mercy and a chance to turn it over because they really didn't know. They really didn't know what they were doing. Do you think they didn't know or it was so culturally accepted that at that time they weren't considering it? It had been ingrained in them. Exactly. Right. Because they did know. Because we have to. We have the inherent knowledge of God. Yes, we can't say that. So we can't discount that part of it. Right. But it wasn't a I'm willfully sinning against you, God. They had been taught so long and so far away from God that it was something different. Now, God gave them mercy. There was judgment coming because God is who he is. But he gave them mercy and a time to turn around. But that was quite different than the people who boldface knew. This is your daily bread. This is your every day. And you are looking at it and going, no, that's not the truth. God said it was the truth, but it's not. It's a lie. So that is something that's different. Even though God is sovereign, he is still holy. And we have his, we have his likeness on the inside of us. And as time went on for Nineveh, they didn't have the word continually preached to them to know it in, in their mind, in their consciousness. And had been drawn away from it for so long. So thank you, Dean, for, for correcting that for me. Um, and God gave them mercy, but this is something different. So were you going to say something, honey? So uh, I was. Um, we, we, you talked about people that knew better choosing mm-hmm. to act against the Lord, to believe a lie, Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like I said, just choosing to to be in opposition to the Lord, mm-hmm. I would, um, I'll say, challenge people, anyone listening, to to go read Nehemiah chapter nine. It, of course, in Nehemiah, in Nehemiah nine, they are the nation of Israel is calling for a fast and and wearing sackcloth and ashes to repent and demonstrate both internally and externally to the Lord that that they are um, coming out of the lies that they are sorry for what they had did and are going to give him the reverence that he deserves coming back into alignment, right? Repentance. And Paul's talking about that here. Right? It's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. Um, but in Nehemiah 9, they go through in this prayer of repentance they recount all these different times where the Lord did amazing, wonderful, miraculous things for them. And yet and still they chose to go away. They chose to believe a lie. They chose to be in opposition to the Lord. They hardened their hearts. They stiffened their necks. Or, and it describes a lot, but even still, the Lord gave them opportunities to come back to him to repent. And... Uh, so you see that same aspect here that Paul is describing. Like, even though these, uh, what he's saying is, the people that are attempting, <coughs> excuse me, people that are attempting to justify themselves and their own actions, in part by condemning others and judging others. He's saying the Lord's giving, still giving them time and a chance and opportunity to bring it back in, to repent, and come back into alignment with the Lord. So uh, I want to encourage people to, to read that, but to understand, that not that it's okay, 
to, to practice those things. So it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. But if you're hearing this, there is opportunity for you to repent and come back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to put on sackcloth and ashes and like what's described in Nehemiah 9, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you see that same principle, the goodness of the Lord, his compassion, his mercy um, throughout the entirety. And if he'll do that for all these people that knew better, if you will, mm-hmm. that grew up with the commandments, with his teachings, uh, the law, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would still save them, give them mercy, give them grace, and he will absolutely do it for you. Whether you're just hearing about this now, or um, maybe you heard about it long ago and have kind of backslidden or fallen away, but clearly the Lord is tugging at your heart. Amen. So th- that was all I was going to say. Oh, okay. Amen. Verse four says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. That's, that's one of my favorite. Well, I love the whole word, but (laughs) I think I say that all the time. That's one of my favorite verses, um, that God is good to all. He's good to all. He's not just good to ones that he's deemed his favorite. God doesn't have favorites. And, um, I think promise in the, the verses that you referenced, talked about god he does not mm-hmm. you can't bribe him there's there's no um imbalance in jesus there's no favoritism um so he is merciful to all and that was actually one of the problems that jonah had he didn't want god to share his mercy with other people and mm-hmm. the lord said that's my business basically <laughs> the, the mercy belongs to him and he is a good god so the time that he gives us here is to recognize how good he is so we have a chance to come back and return to him mm-hmm. and not suffer um judgment because it's there god is he is a righteous god and you can violate god's word kind of unknowingly and no there's something in you that goes that's not right that's not right and you may not be able to articulate it mm-hmm. you know israel had the law they had close contact with god for a long time they knew him per- up close and personal other people had a the the god being made in the image and the likeness of god that it's god puts this on the inside of all of us and they may not be able to articulate it but they do it by um by practice and i think of when we get over to it later on in verse i mean verse 13s um not 13s uh, chapter 2 verse 13 and so it talks about people who practice it without having the law they do naturally what god has placed on the inside of us without having like the written law of moses mm-hmm. that the children of israel have or having close contact to know exactly this is who you are lord these are your ordinances etc cetera, etc cetera, but they still do it because god put it on the inside of them so 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 you're saying they lack understanding Right, to be able to right. fully articulate it. Um, or, or of why they're doing what they're, mm-hmm. they're being, if you will, led to do. Mm-hmm. Right? And you see this throughout, even, um, I'll say, in, in the, the Law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, right? There's, there's a reason in Deuteronomy, which is the second giving of the Law, or this is Moses talking to, a, I'll say, the next generation, and He's restating all the things that he'd already stated. Why? But he's teaching them so that they could understand why. Mm-hmm. It was given to the previous generation, and of course they were, they were to pass that down. And it's not just there. It's multiple times throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, how 
and the same thing happened in, uh, we were just talking Nehemiah 9, right? They, they were reading the scripture. They spent one day reading the law, and then they spent, uh, or a quarter of the day reading the law, they spent the next quarter of the day praising the Lord, right? But in all these instances, all the ones that are listed, it talks about how they, they read, the, read the scriptures and also explained it so the people could understand. Mm-hmm. So, and this is, and, and I bring that up so people don't try to, uh, I'll say shame or guilt themselves, right? That they didn't mm-hmm. understand or know. Or, this is happening with the Lord's people, the ones that he chose and he gave them his word from the beginning and they need it explained to them. So then that goes for all of us. Mm-hmm. But we have the Holy Spirit to teach us. Mm-hmm. Right? Each, each person does. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to what you were saying. Yes. And in God's goodness, if you think about Abraham, for example, the Bible, if you, if you read the recount that we have of Abraham's life, and I'm sure there's more things that happen that, than what we have written uh, per se, but the, the account of Abraham's life was that he did some things that were like, man, wait, how, wow, that, that was kind of rough there. He had some victories and he had some, some clear losses in the face of what God said. But what, what God reports about him is that he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Mm-hmm. So that's the goodness of God coming through. That's Amen. his mercy coming through. When we, we apply our faith and we just stretch forth forward to God and go, Lord, we just believe you. We may not get it all right but I believe you and I'm going to walk in the light of what I have and what I know of you up until this point and teach me more God. But I'm just going to go, I'm going to go with that and believe that you're going to show me the right way. I believe that you're going to guide me to where you want me to be. I believe you're going to teach me God how to live for you. God goes, thank you, baby. That's what I needed. And he accounts it to us for righteousness. We don't see where God, um, looked at Abraham negatively for giving his wife away, even after he said, I'm going to bless you with a child through her. And then the generations are going to come through her that will be blessed. We don't see that or, mm-hmm. or any, any other thing that he did that might've been contrary to what God wanted. We just see God's abundant grace and mercy coming towards him and his love for him. And since God is no respecter of persons, and that's how he treated Abraham, who was not a Jew in the flesh. He was not of the circumcision. He later got the circumcision, but he was mm-hmm. called long before he physically became circumcised. Mm-hmm. So if God treated him that way, how does he feel towards us? We can, we can say he feels the same because he's no respecter of persons. And what Abraham had was, I believe you, God. Not a, a life of doing everything perfectly. I don't believe Abraham set out to purposely, purposely dishonor God, but that's between him and the Lord. Whatever, that's it. whatever happened... God said, you believe me, and I accept that. So his goodness towards us is that that's what he's looking for, and he's at the ready with the abounding goodness and truth that's on the inside of him and the and everlasting mercy to reconcile us to him in whatever, um, whatever case. Yeah. Yeah, something you said. It's, I was just. I just had this image, you know, thinking of God's mercy and grace for us where we are, and how He doesn't come to us and say, um, "Here's my list. This is all your sin. This is all my grievances against you. Um, be overwhelmed, and, um, and 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 you know, all but die in the presence of how your shortcomings are right. in, in sight of my glory." He doesn't. He doesn't seem to. You know, it's just. I'm not going to say this is doctrine. 
but my life experience has not been that God has overwhelmed me with my sin, but he's allowed grace and mercy to expose that and get that. And so I had this image as you were talking just of, you know, a farmer and he's got a field and he's, he's not going to go plant seed in that field that's covered with weeds and rocks. He's got to, he's got to tend the soil and prepare the soil. And that's what God's gentleness is with us. Mm-hmm. He's uprooting the things that need to be uprooted. And he's moving and he's getting the soil right. And he may start planting some seeds as he does that. He's not going to necessarily clear the whole field. He's not trying to, to clear that whole field. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's coming, and it's in time, and it's his mercy and his gentleness mm-hmm. that he brings that to us. And we just have to re- remember to trust him with that process, to allow him to reveal that to us mm-hmm. so those things can be taken out. Just like with Abraham, there was, there was a lot of stuff mm-hmm. from his heritage and his family that was in there that was contrary to God's word, and, mm-hmm. and God lovingly just continue to grow him and grow him over wonderful decades and into a ripe old age mm-hmm. as he continued to grow in his knowledge of God and glorify mm-hmm. him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I love that. As, um, you said it, it's not doctrine, right? But you can see that exact premise, if you will, and promise uh, in Isaiah, right? Isaiah, who, who was already prophesying, was already writing, <laughs> right? But then in chapter 6, um, there's a very interesting thing that happens, right? He, he is before the, the Lord of hosts, right? And he gets to see in the throne room of heaven. And, but his, um, I'll just say it in this way, he became increasingly aware of the sin within him, that he was not yet perfected. Right, and, and and utters a statement, "Woe for me, woe to me, for I am undone." Right, like, but that's for all of us as we get closer to the Lord and His presence. We become in, more increasingly aware of the the sin in our lives, of the the things that don't reflect the Lord in our lives. But yet, even in Isaiah six, right, you see the Lord's grace and mercy, and has the seraphim go take the hot coal out. And then it says, or and touch his mouth with it, and says, it's touch your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Which is what the Lord does and will do for all of us if we in faith will receive him, accept him for who he is. He's the Lord of hosts, King of kings and Lord of lords. So uh, you can see the doctrine there just... In that one part, and that's not the only section, right? But you see that same thing throughout Scripture. The character and nature of God. And that's what he wants us to know of him. He's so loving. He is so, so patient and forgiving towards us and so kind. Um, In verse 6, he says, Who will render to each one according to his deeds? You know, some might look at that and go, Oh, and get terrified and go, Oh, no. But I just want to just just sow a little bit of hope because verse seven says eternal life to those who by patient continuous and doing good seek glory, honor and immortality. So as as we were referencing Abraham and even Isaiah, their heart was just to to go and please the Lord. It didn't mean that they got it all right, but it says they who seek they're they're looking for it and they're continuing to pursue God. 
He understands that. And just like with Abraham, he accounted it to him for righteousness. It wasn't his righteous deeds and acts because then Abraham would have had a reason to boast in God's presence and to go, God, you owe me this. You owe me this child. But he couldn't. No one has any righteousness before God. But he, he could take it by grace. He could accept the gift of God by grace and, and the abundant mercy that God has for us. But God going, I see, I see your heart and I'll repay you for that. When he talks, um, um, I believe it's the Apostle Paul, I'm not quite sure I have to look this up, that God is not unjust to forget our labor of love. When he sees our heart and he goes, I get you, I see you, baby, I see, I see you, child of mine. And I understand where you're going and I'll see you through. I'll finish what I started in you and I'll help you be able to get the reward from me. That's God's faithfulness. And again, he knows the difference. And he says in verse eight, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. But he even comes back to go, we have hope. We have a promise here from our God who sees according to the inward man, not to the outward man. But it says, but glory, honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Verse 11. And when I read that, it gives me hope. Mm-hmm. It reminds me that God is bigger than my sin. It reminds me that his faithfulness is long past my physical endurance, my physical ability to carry things out. Do I take the easy route and and fall away and go, okay, God, two days is enough. I've done enough work and I don't need to believe you anymore. I don't need to trust you anymore. I don't need to press in anymore. No, I don't because I want to meet God's faithfulness towards me with whatever I have on the inside of me to meet him. And I trust that his grace will carry me the rest of the way. But it also lets me know that, okay, God, when I miss it, you don't. When I don't have anything left, you do. You've got it all. And I can just rest in you. I can just rest in your love for me and know that you'll carry me through. So I appreciate that about the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? No. Okay. Well, let's let's pause there for today, all right? And um, we'll allow people the time and opportunity to search the scriptures because we've covered quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, let the Holy Spirit minister to each and every one of them, okay? Okay. Yes. So can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Charles. Lord, just thank you for today, Lord. Just thank you for... Your unending grace and mercy to us, Lord, that you continue to love us even though we don't do everything right, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for giving us knowledge and understanding in your scripture, Lord, so that way we can continue to discuss it, Lord, and discuss it how you have meant for it to be discussed, Lord, and how you view it, Lord, not our own perspectives, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for everybody listening and the people who are present here today, Lord. I just ask that you continue to bless them and are their lives, Lord, as you have already been doing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day.
Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.